Welcome to another episode of the People Productivity Channel, where you are the product and a better you is a solution. A number of weeks back, I had on a fascinating guest, Dr. Scott Blaze, and um, you know we had a lot of really good views of of that particular interview. It's on our channel. Take out the trash, reprogram your subconscious, and change your life. This was about dealing with subconscious memories and things that are really going on deep inside the mind that are controlling different behavior patterns that you have as an individual. And uh, this is certainly a topic because if people can actually remove or change some of the things that are holding them back, uh, then in fact, they could change their future. So uh, we spoke at the time of bringing Dr. Blaze back on. He's a fascinating gentleman, not just a hypnotherapist, but as I found out today, chatting with him before the interview, also an expert in Ayurvedic medicine. So Scott, why don't you introduce yourself or reintroduce yourself to our audience, because some of the viewers will not have seen the first episode. Great, thanks Frank. It's a pleasure to be back here with you. I'm looking forward to this one. Mm -hmm. um, said my name is Scott Blaze. I'm a clinical hypnotherapist here in central New Jersey. Um, I do have a health background of Ayurveda, personal training, um, you know, which we, you know, we spoke about is, it's good for you know helping clients with all facets of the life. Obviously, helping them with those repressed emotions and those bad memories and trying to overcome those bad habits. But obviously, there is a reality part of it where you know if someone wants to lose weight, we have to get them motivated. We have to get them up, and we have to physically get them into a gym or outside walking. There's obviously certain challenges that a lot of us face that need to be obviously attended to. So yeah, yeah. So um, what we're going to chat about today is really the practical side of this, things that you can do on your own. How could you use these tools and techniques to actually begin to maybe deal with things that you want to, like a phobia of spiders or something? Absolutely. So, um, well, let's, let's just get into it. Um, in terms of the practical side of this, why don't we uh, just get right into it? What do you, where do you think we should start? Well, first of all, you know, and I think we touched upon this last time. If we didn't, obviously, this is a good place to do so. All hypnosis in and of itself is self-hypnosis. Mm -hmm. you, know, you, you might go see a hypnotherapist or a practitioner. Um, they may do certain steps and use certain modalities to help induce certain states of conscious, but it's up to, you know, it's up to the client. It's up to the patient in order to achieve those. So it's really a cooperative loop between, you know, what is the client or patient exhibiting the therapist takes that information, reiterates it, brings it back to them, and they're going to respond in a certain way. And if they're responding a plan accordingly, then we go with, with that particular path. If not, we reiterate it, change it, and give it back to them in a way that they can understand it. So when looking at the more practical side and understanding that hypnosis is self-hypnosis, you know, people can use certain tips and tricks, uh, not even tricks, but just certain applications at home. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the more popular times, and you know, we mentioned this before, is when looking at hypnosis, you can't enter sleep, meaning REM, without yeah. passing through a state of hypnosis. It's, a, it's actually called yeah. the hypnagogic state. Mm -hmm. On the other side, when you're waking up, you can't wake up from REM sleep without passing through that similar state. Yeah. So a lot of times when people do these affirmations and they're going to do these things, they're going to do it at a time of day where they're dealing with a large, larger capacity of conscious functioning, okay? Um, you know, example, middle, middle of day, 
that part of the consciousness, that part of the brain is very, very revved up. It's solving problems, it's dealing with challenges that you have in your life, it's dealing with the kids and the dog and work. But at night, when you're falling to sleep, that part of the brain, that activity shuts down. Yes. So my first suggestion would be, this would be a great, great time if you need to help overcome a habit, if you need to learn something that's difficult for maybe school or work, that 15, 20 minutes before you fall asleep is a perfect time to, to do so. Yeah, as the conscious mind is slowly shutting down because Correct. we do pass through that theta state on the way to REM sleep, right? Correct. Well, so, it would, so normal consciousness is beta, then it goes into alpha. Mm -hmm. Alpha, I can, you know, a lot of hypnosis can be done effectively in the alpha state. You know, obviously more deep-seated memories, more traumatic, very, very traumatic memories. You know, you would need to get into those theta levels or deeper levels of uh, mind. But, you know, if you want to overcome a bad habit, let's say you have a bad habit of you have two bowls of cereal before you sleep every night. You know, that's, that's not a, that's probably not coming from a traumatic experience. So just kind of quieting the mind and getting in that alpha state oftentimes is suitable enough to do that. And prior to bed and prior, you know, and, and waking up on the other side is a very, very effective time to do so. Mm -hmm. You know, I was uh, watching some videos on YouTube. I always find this a fascinating topic and subject. And Richard Bandler, one of the co-inventors of NLP, He's helping an individual overcome and eliminate this bad memory. Yeah. And it turns out he's something happened where I guess there was some betrayal or something took place and he keeps reliving this whole thing in his mind all the time. Yeah. Hours a day this goes yeah. on. It was like six or seven hours a day or something ridiculous. And sometimes six or seven hours a day. He's obsessed with this thing and he keeps reliving it. And I guess he's trying to, you know, ultimately deal with this pain that he's going through. Yeah, and, uh, he relives relives it, uh, and anyway, you know, he looks at the thing and says, you know, over the next ten years, you're going to spend X hours doing this. Would you like to have that time to do something else? Correct. And he has him actually look at this picture in his mind. He shrinks it down, right? Because it's a big image. He shrinks it. Yeah. Uh, then he has him go to the end of the end of this uh, memory and has him go backwards through it with some music playing and then he shrinks it down and blinks it off is that the one with the circus circus music yeah. and the circus, circus music, music playing. fascinating and uh you know suddenly it's no longer a bad memory correct and uh, he's gotten all that time back which yeah. is pretty fascinating because he's obviously obsessed with this thing. yeah absolutely you know there's a couple components going on here that need to happen in order for that to be successful yeah and what's that what Bandler is doing is actually he's working with something in NLP called submodalities. Okay. We experience external reality via the five senses, break that down into submodalities. Okay. So, you know, if, if you go back and watch the video, one of the first things that Bandler is doing is he's doing a process of discovery. He's finding out information about this. Mm -hmm. One of the first things that he does, and he was very, very good at it, is to make sure that this is an actual problem, that it, it's causing this particular individual you know, challenges in everyday life. It's, you know, if, if he's awake eight hours a day and his mind is occupied by this traumatic memory, six, six of those eight hours a day, how productive is this guy really being yeah. with work and relationships and oh, stuff? It's, like debil that. it's obviously debilitating. Oh, it's, it's I mean, I, I can't even yeah. imagine, you know, all of us, and here's the thing, all of us are going to have bad memories and bad thoughts constantly throughout the day. 
But to have one and fixate on it for a lengthy period of time, it obviously becomes a challenge. It needs to be addressed. Yeah. So, you know, what he's doing in the beginning of the video, you know, for those viewers who want to go Google it, um, he's making sure that it's painful, making yeah. sure it's a problem. That's why he's asking, well, how, how long? And then he, he, Bandler even kind of overdoes it a little bit. It's like, okay. And he starts doing the math, like you said. So over the next 10 years, that's X thousands of hours. So he's really, really hitting home to bring that pain forward. Yeah. Because yeah. when it's painful enough, we'll, we'll, we will begin to seek some sort of alternative. Mm -hmm. That's why humans can live and function somewhat successfully with chronic pain and chronic illnesses because it's not to the point where I've got to get this fixed now. If you wake up in the morning and, you're, and your mouth is throbbing from a toothache, you're probably going to go see a dentist that day. That's right. Right. So, so that's what he's doing. He's basically clarifying that that's the case. And then what he does is he works with those submodalities. So, you know, are you seeing this image or do you hear more auditory clues or is there more feeling in the body? So he's determining what is that main what was the main sense that Correct. right is it more visual? Correct. Is it more visual? Is it more auditory? Yeah. Or, is, or are there parts of both? So he establishes that. And once he does, and once Baylor gets this information, he kind of quiets the guy down a little bit because he was kind of a little goofy and funny. And you know, Baylor is kind of a, a, a character in the He's a character, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then what he does is have him close his eyes and, and you know the, the gentleman tells him the picture's big, it's huge, it's it's it fills the room. Yeah. You know, is there color? Is a black and white? So he establishes this. So now he's bringing that that painful experience up to the forefront. Mm -hmm. And like you mentioned, Frank, then all he does is he has him, has him shrink it down to a size of a dot or a square. I think I think yeah. like a dot. Um, and then, like you said, okay, now you've got that, and you can. And if you read the guy's body language and his facial expressions, is there's obviously some this there was some sort of change going on. So yeah. what he's doing is anyway, you can see it right. He's changing the perspective of that bad memory, that traumatic experience. And then, like you said, he takes it a step further. And, and we see, and, and when, when we recall experiences, we recall them in pictures, uh -huh. just like a movie. So you, you sit down and you watch a movie, and it'll, it'll appear fluid and continual, but they're frames that are looped together and played at a certain speed to make it appear as if it's a fluid experience and happening. Mm -hmm. in space-time but we think and we recall in terms of pictures that's why this is so effective so he has them call up that specific picture yeah it's fascinating yep now what we're gonna do is we're gonna change the perspective of that picture so uh -huh. in this particular instance he has them shrink it down sometimes the picture will be small I'll have them blow it up in certain cases so some sort of visual change or auditory change needs to happen uh -huh. and then as him play the video backward, and now all of a sudden he adds in that audio audio component of that you know that, that funny yeah. music, and it changes the whole memory. Because it's that music of having things go fast. Yes, he says rewind it quickly. Yep, absolutely, absolutely, and it's very fascinating. And when 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 you recall experience, the more modalities, the more of the senses you can bring to a picture the more likelihood that we can change the perspective of that picture. Because yeah. oftentimes when, when we're thinking about one isolated incident, we're thinking of it in terms of visual. We forget the sounds 
or the temperature that day, or maybe it's, you know, in the next room, someone was cooking salmon and they had that certain smell. Yeah. But what we can do is we can either bring those back, bring those to the forefront, or even apply those like he did in that particular video, apply an auditory component. And it changes how you feel about it because you're changing the perspective of that particular memory or, or traumatic experience. Yeah, it's fascinating because at the end, this guy is now free of obsessing about this. Correct. And Correct. in fact, he does get all this time back and suddenly he can change his future because he's not going to be spending time obsessing on this. I think there are many people who have things like this going on in their lives, memories that they might relive. It doesn't have to be to the level of being debilitating like that individual. Absolutely. And so there's a third component there. So once that's established, and that's one of the reasons why I said, well, that's a lot of time. So yeah. if we get rid of this problem, we get rid of this, pro this challenge, you're going to have six hours a day, so to speak, to fill. Yeah. So the, the third component, what really makes it successful, what, what makes it more of a long-term solution is you have to fill that gap. So all yeah. we're doing is we're giving someone a choice because we as humans, when presented with a choice, we're always going to make the, the best choice that we have with the resources available at that time. Huh? When people have a problem, especially a chronic problem or something like that, they feel helpless. They don't think that they have a choice. So holding on to that memory is a positive intent. So, but when, when we can change it and lessen it, either drain out color or add color or shrink it or, you know, speed it up or whatever, and then reintroduce something that that person wants to achieve. So it's kind of twofold. Like here we have this bad memory on this side, but we want to replace it with the positive behavior or positive intent on this side. And it has to fill that space. Uh -huh. It has to fit. It has to be congruent. Okay. You know, you, example, you say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to quit smoking. Uh -huh. and replace it with finding a cure to cancer. It's really not a congruent thing. I mean, it could yeah. potentially work, but it's probably not going to. It has to be of a similar, similar mm -hmm. So um, what could people do in terms of self-help for phobias, you know, like fear of spiders and things like that, insects? Yeah. So, you know, there, there's a couple different things. And, you know, I think it really centers around what I mentioned before is they need to utilize that 15, 20 minutes prior to sleep. Okay. Mm -hmm. And they can prepare for it. There's certain things that they can do. You know, nowadays with our phones and our cellular devices, we can pre-record a script. You know, sometime during the day or the day before, they can kind of write down their thoughts and organize what it is that they want to, you know, you use before, download into that program, download that, what application do you want to install? And then while they're sleeping, they can get in that relaxed position. Now, I'm going to make a couple recommendations here. Don't do it in bed. Mm -hmm. Okay, you want to do it near bedtime, but you don't want to do it in bed because what, what happens oftentimes and happen with a lot of my clients is they fall asleep prior to the program really being downloaded. Is it a bad thing? No, okay? So, you know, maybe like if you have a sitting room in, in your bedroom and you have a chair, maybe do it in the chair if you have an office or a study, maybe do it in some chair that's comfortable, mm -hmm. some type of chair or, or, you know, some place where you're gonna sit where you're not gonna potentially fall out of it, because sometimes that can happen. And really that's one of the only really downsides of the hypnosis is, you know, the vessel has to be secure because if people really go under deep, you know, they could potentially roll off the chair and obviously fall down and hurt themselves. Yeah. So making sure the environment is controlled is, is tip number one. Mm -hmm. You know, if you have a dog, 
make sure he's not going to jump up in your lap during this, or, you know, the kids are going to come in and ask about their math homework. So do it at a time where you can kind of control the environment best mm -hmm. you can. And then they can simply play that recording. Okay, that's one way. They can just listen to that recording. It's almost like a mantra. It's almost like an affirmation, but they're doing it in a controlled environment, and they're doing it at a very, very good part of the day where they're going to be receptible to the information. And they can just do it, you know, every night before bed or maybe do it in the morning. And then what I also recommend is while you're sleeping, the unconscious mind is going to work on that. It's going to go to work and it's going to try to figure out the best possible solution, the easiest way to help overcome that. And sometimes information may come in the form of a dream. It may come in the form of a metaphor or, or something weird. So I usually recommend that upon waking, people have something that they can jot notes down on, whether it's their phone, whether it's a, you know, a pad and pen near their bed. Yep. And whatever, whatever, they, whatever conscious thought they have when they wake, just write it down. Because mm -hmm. as soon as you get up and you start your day, that's going to go by the wayside. It's going to go back. You're going to forget it, yeah. It's going to go under the blanket, so to speak. So it's good to maybe deal with that information and you can either look at it yourself or you can evolve a practitioner and have them kind of work through it a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, they can also do, you know, what, what Bandler was doing. They can, at that time, okay, same time at night, day, okay, night, they can take that image. And the, you know, the, first image, the first step is you want to get a clear image of it. You want to see what it is, okay? Then change it somehow. You know, like Randall, you can make it smaller. You know, think of the inside of your mind, the inside of your forehead, excuse me, the inside of your forehead, like a movie screen. Yeah. You're sitting there. So now what you're doing by doing that is you're disassociating. You're seeing it from a third party perspective now because of, you know, if you imagine yourself sitting in a theater and you're looking with your eyes closed and the inside of your forehead is that movie screen you're going to see it from a third party perspective most often. Mm -hmm. That's one thing you want to determine. Are you, are you recalling these memories from a third party or first party perspective? And sometimes changing just that simple perspective can have, you know, profound positive changes. Yeah. And then they can just run through and have some fun with it. You know, it's already happened in the past. You're already concerned about six hours a day. It's not going to hurt you anymore. Most likely mm -hmm. let's, you know, let's, let's have some fun with it. Leo, Throw a cartoon character in there. Do something funny. Throw some yeah. auditory things in there. Throw change some the outcome. Yeah, change the outcome. And you know, the first thing you do may not work. That's okay. You know, next night or, or later on that week, try something else, mm -hmm. and and see what works best for you. Because you know, we're all individuals, and we're all going to respond differently to certain modalities and how they kind of play out. But yeah, they can have fun with that because again, it's all all you know, hypnosis is self hypnosis, and as you see. You know, during that video, <clears throat> that person's awake. He's not really in a state of hypnosis. No, not at all. No. So, you know, you don't even need, really even need to get to certain trance depth to, to, to affect change. It can be done in waking, mm -hmm. you know, waking consciousness. I think the most important thing is that, you know, for people who may have phobias, want to deal with uh, get, stopping smoking, deal with weight problems, maybe deal with bad memories that they keep reliving, they don't have to... They don't have to accept those things and uh, they can change them. And I think that's the most important thing. Yeah. That they can change this and they should be aware of that, right? Because these, there are, you know, they can have a different future, which I think is very important. Yeah. You know, and, and sometimes, you know, in, in severe cases, there's going to be a physical manifestation component that needs to be addressed as well. You know, people can get addicted to the manifestation of those memories or example 
you know, someone in your life is always hitting those buttons and always making you angry. Uh -huh. If that's allowed to play out over years of time, they'll become addicted to the slew of chemicals that the body's producing when they're in that argument or they're in there at that fight. And consciously, they don't want it. But on that yeah. physiological level, the body has now become the mind and it's taken over and say, oh, I want more of that stuff. So let's go ahead and call Bob and start up another argument. It's a bad habit. That's when it's a really bad habit. And it definitely it's a bad habit. Yeah, that's a habit. They've got to replace those habits. And I think the awareness that people can change these things, if they take anything away from this program, maybe they can't do it on their own, but they can change some of these things going on that really aren't positive aspects, you know, in their life. Well, that's why, you know, that's why the third step of what Bandler was doing, <laughs> excuse me, in that video, you have to replace it. Yeah. It has to be replaced with something positive because number one, it sets it up as a choice and, and hopefully they've come to the point where they're going to want to choose something. Yeah. You know, I think we have a choice. Example, you know, people will live in certain neighborhoods in certain conditions because mm -hmm. they firmly believe that they, they don't, they don't have a choice. They can't live on the other side of the tracks. So what they do, they accept it and they deal with it and it becomes chronic and then it spills over into other aspects of their life. So presenting them with, you know, example, if you want to give up smoking, that's why a lot of, you know, surface smoking, you know, cessation things will be, okay, we're going to chew gum. Yeah. Or, you know, you need to have something to replace the habit. Yeah. Correct. So, you know, if, if we want, if, you know, if, if your weight loss is, you know, the root cause is you're just eating too much or overeating or eating the bad foods, <clears throat> those bad foods need to be replaced with something else mm -hmm. or the bad behavior needs to be replaced with the boss, positive behavior. And once that's done, the likelihood of number one success, but number two, long-term success increases tenfold. Yeah. And you know, a lot of people get the motivation to finally change things when something bad happens, like they're smoking and they realize, Oh wow, there's a growth on my tongue. I've got to stop. Correct. That's and, uh, that, that relates to what Bandler was doing. He wanted to make sure that the memory that he was going to deal with in that example on that stage was going to be a powerful enough one to, to help overcome. Mm -hmm. You know, I have bad memories. We all have bad memories, but is it going to work on, on a stage with, with maybe not because it's not controlling my life? Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of them I'd like to not to think about them, but I'm not spending, you know, sometimes yeah. I'll go four or five days and it won't pop up. But six hours a day? Yeah, that's, yeah. that's, 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 that's a real problem. Correct. I mean, I think there are many people who, you know, had instances in their life that, uh, you know, they keep reliving because maybe it did cause things to go awry for them mm -hmm. and it's thinking about how it could have been different or something. And, exactly. you know, now they're just living in the past. And oftentimes when, when people experience a bad memory, there's, there's sometimes a guilt factor associated with it. Mm -hmm. I wish I could have done that, or maybe I should have done that. So is it really the bad memory or is it the guilt of the bad memory? That's a good okay. question. Mm -hmm. I, I had a client that I worked with, you know, over several sessions who had a fear of eating in public. She could not eat in public. Really? She, yeah, she couldn't eat in public. She would masticate her food till it was liquid in her mouth and then spit it out in her nap. <laughs> At home, fine. But in a public situation, what, what, what was the root cause of that? What happened to her? So her, her father had passed away several years before uh -huh. um, while he was in the hospital prior to him passed. And she went to visit him one day. She was the only person there. And he was taking his medication as usual. Uh -huh. And one pill might have been too big. And he started choking on it. 
and here's a young girl. So what does she do? Fight or flight kicks on or fight or flight freeze in her particular situation. Yeah. And she didn't know, do I help my dad? Do I go get help? Do I run? And she just stood there. And there was a guilt associated with that. Mm-hmm. So positive outcome didn't happen until we addressed that. Oh, very and interesting. Now she's now she can you know, go on dates. Now she can go, you know, to public places and do all those certain things. Um, and, and it's not affecting her, you know, in a negative yeah, way. Yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah, there's something debilitating, right? Can't go out on a date because you can't eat in public. Wow. And, and, and oftentimes with, with traumatic experiences like that, the conscious memory of it is actually not the root cause. It's something else. Mm-hmm. That's where you know, you mentioned before getting into those lower levels of brain activity and really opening up that chest of memories and past experiences. And obviously hypnosis is a very, very good vehicle to be able to do that uh-huh. to unearth those, you know, what was the actual root cause? And oftentimes it's below, you know, the person's conscious awareness. And if it's really traumatic, it's a defense mechanism of, of human being to pack that away because it's, because they can't consciously sort it out. Yeah. Any experience we have that we can't consciously work out in our mind, we hand over to the unconscious mind. Mm-hmm. If they can't deal with it, it really, it gets shoved down even more. That if you want to even talk about past lives, information like that, past memories like that can be even passed on in certain situations like that. And that's when you really need to get down there and, and to unearth it. Yeah, these are, this, is a, this is an amazing topic because it covers so much territory. People... Yeah can improve themselves correct and there are a lot of things holding them back in general you know i have a personal experience with this that i really haven't you know had the maybe the opportunity or maybe even courage to address so you know with with my mother she um you know when my grandmother was passing away they had some a couple situations that you know right at the end of uh, her life they kind of stopped talking. They uh-huh. had this big fight. I'm not going to get into it all here. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> they stopped talking, and my mother found out secondhand that her mother had already passed away and was already buried and was not even at the funeral. Oh, my God. Not even notified. She, she found out about it, I think, through a third party or in the paper. I don't remember exactly what it was. This was fairly recently in the past several years. And, you know, and I, and I don't live, you know, near my parents, and I get to see them maybe once or twice a year for, you know, our typical mm-hmm. holidays and things like that. And I do notice a difference in my mom. She's, she does the same thing. She's going about the same routine. She does the same things, but she's different because I know that that traumatic event, we don't talk about it. We're not dealing with it. Mm-hmm. Either she's packed it away or like the gentleman, you know, in the Bander incident, it's just, it's, it's, you know, she's going about her daily life, but in her mind, she's replaying well, geez, what would happen if I would have went there? What happened if I did not do that? Mm-hmm. And it needs to be addressed. And most of but, but, you know, here's the point. She needs to be ready to address it. I can't go to her and say, mom, let's sit down on, on the couch and let's go ahead and deal with this hypnotically. It's not going to work. She needs yeah. to want to affect the change. So, um, you know, that's the first step is they want to, people want to have to change. They want to have the option of having that positive choice. Yeah. And that is why... Bandler talks to the guy about the amount of time he spent Correct. on this to drive the recognition that this is, this is really debilitating and I need to do something. Right. That was obviously during some type of talk or seminar. It was yeah. one, like a six or seven minute clip. I'm wondering how many people he had up in the stage that, that he just yeah. caught back. Like, you know, 
not to get off such when looking at stage hypnosis. Most yeah. of these people aren't randomly selected. It doesn't work that way. They either pre-hypnotized them and selected them prior to the show and then brought them up, or it goes through a process of, okay, who's the most suggestible? Bring that bum up, up on stage. And if they're not going to, quote unquote, go along with the show, he'll yeah. step back and keep the, the best subject up there. Why? Because it's going to produce the best show, the best result. Yeah. Same that. If that guy wasn't, well, yeah, you know, I kind of, I, I think about that F that I got in art class back when I was 17, about once every three months. Okay, that, that yeah. comes, you need to go back. I need somebody else. Yeah, absolutely. So this is a, this is a great topic. And, you know, I thoroughly encourage people who may have things that they want to change, could be obsessing over things, could be bad habits, could be, you know, actual addictions and things. They got to, you know, they should know that they can take care of this. Maybe not as easy, but there are things they can do. Especially now with what's going on in the world today. Yeah. You know, how, how is this affecting people? How, what memories are people going to, you know, if and when this ends, what, what, what are they going to bring with them? Yeah. Each of us are going Good to question. carry, each of us are going to fill our suitcase, so to speak, with different experiences during this time. And we're going to uh -huh. move forward in, in our lives separately with those individual suitcases. So what information, what experiences, what traumatic memories from this time are we going to be able to, you know, are we not be able to, are we going to bring forward? And I think that, you know, understanding this and having these little tips and tricks and, and applications that people can do, you know, they're, they're not hopeless. They're, there is not hopeless. I mean, they should really, they should look into it and see what their options are. Right. I mean, you know, during this time I've been, I've been a little bit busier because of what's going on. I mean, I really haven't had a chance to sit down face to face with someone, but doing a lot of things, you know, via zoom and whatnot. Um, and just talking to people sometimes they are, I really don't like to do Skype. It's called Skype hypnosis. Yeah. New Zoom or Google Meet or whatever. Not that effective. Well, I mean, you know, there's obviously safety concerns. Um, there's obviously a little bit of lag. You know, if, if I suggest something to a client, I want to see real time yeah. how that's affecting them, especially if they're kind of, you know, in a in a trance state. Mm -hmm. you know, are their eyes rolling back in their head? So, we, you know, example, when someone's eyes are closed, I can still see if the eye is moving underneath the lid. Okay. I can pay attention to breathing patterns. You know, when, uh -huh. when they first came in, were they breathing more from the chest or the stomach or the diaphragm? And how is that breathing pattern changed? Yeah. Is there a breathing change? Is their skin more flush or did it drain the blood? I mean, all these things is very, very difficult. It all matter. Yeah. Correct. It all matters. Well, it looks like uh, my dogs have become part of this episode. <laughs> up there. Somebody must have arrived. That's what I said. You've got to control the dogs during, during the self-hypnosis. Yeah, 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 for sure. Well, listen, I'd like to thank you for coming back on the channel. I think this was super. Awesome. Appreciate it. There is so much people can do because everybody can become a better version of themselves. There are all things out there that we can change, right? Absolutely. Hey, thanks for coming on, Scott. Thanks for having really me. Really enjoyed having you. Take care.